Okay, welcome to episode 89 of the United Pubcast, and we're back with a guest today because Larry is um, deep at work. He sent me a message five minutes before we're going to go on to air saying he was neck deep and not been able to record till almost midnight. So we've got Josh back on the podcast, who's been on plenty of times. How are you, Josh? Yeah, really well, thank you. Keeping uh, well in these troubled times, but hopefully um, a finish line for us guys in Australia. Well, there does seem to be a corner turned. I saw me and Larry were talking just before about um, gyms reopening, so there's something. And I remember before the Premier League um, was cancelled, I sort of got into a groove with the gym where those sort of 3 a.m. kickoffs where you don't really want to set the alarm for. I was watching on delay just on the treadmill, even just going for a walk on the treadmill, watching Optus Sport in the Premier League. Because if you do an hour and a half run sort of thing or an hour and a half walk or, or something on the bike, over 90 minutes watching a football match it doesn't feel like you're doing any workout <laughs> so um, I'd like to get back into that one especially for that first game the Arsenal v Man City I think it's a 5am kickoff here in Sydney I think so you know what it can't it actually can't come quick enough the gym's opening I feel um, I definitely look like Luke Shaw postseason. I don't think I feel like it but yeah definitely look like Luke Shaw postseason. I need to uh, definitely lose a bit of timber once the gym's open uh, yeah definitely not alone there but um, yeah, so on today's podcast, we'll talk a little bit... Look, we'll do a, dedicate a whole podcast, I think, in the future to this whole racism thing. But I, I think it's important not to sort of brush over it. I think when we're going to discuss it properly, we might as well do it um, properly, maybe get a guest or two on who sort of experienced it, etc. But we'll touch on it a little bit. Um, obviously, the latest with Man United, and I think we'll finish... Probably the main part of the podcast will be sort of Premier League football in general. But we'll start a little bit on sort of the sort of COVID is sort of yesterday's news now when you turn on the TV. Everything is about sort of what is starting to happen in America and now is sort of we've seen on the streets in Sydney as well and especially in London we've seen over the past couple of days it's taken off there in regards to the racism and the Black Lives Matters movement, etc. I'm just thinking again, it is a whole separate debate, separate podcast, and the issue is far bigger than football. But we'll just touch on the actual football side of it, and just a little bit of a chat about. Do you see that in terms of the immediate impact, the immediate effect in terms of the return of football will have on on it? Do you like? Do you think football has a role to play in? Wouldn't say changing anything because again, it's an issue that's going to take decades to change. But in terms of football coming back, do you think it has an important role? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, these these guys, it's easy to say football has responsibilities, but, you know, the players, managers, you know, all have a responsibility as role models to, to younger kids to, to set that example. Um, you know, there's deep underlying issues, which I don't think will ever be eradicated in the sport. Um, you only have to look at, you know, racist abuse. You know, England internationals, for example, get when travelling to... You know, far eastern European countries, um, you know, big anti-Semitism in football in relation to some of the chance you hear with Spurs, and also, you know, other racial, you know, slurs used all the time on the terraces. I just don't think it'll ever be eradicated. But it's up to you know governing bodies, and particularly FIFA, to you know to set the example through whatever marketing. I know social media is so powerful at the moment. It's a fantastic. You know, opportunity to convey it through those channels, especially during this time. Yeah. Now, well, do you think, in terms you just mentioned there, in social media, and and in terms of players having a responsibility and clubs having a responsibility, 
in terms of we've all, always mentioned the last couple of weeks United have handled it perfectly in terms of the COVID-19 situation and the way they've dealt with things off the pitch do you think players like you, you look at Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford in terms of influence on social media influence in general but especially on social media besides Ronaldo and Messi I'd say Pogba and Rashford are probably you'd argue the most influential players on social media I think I'd assume maybe Meza Ozil technically he has uh, quite a big following I guess to the players like Mbappe etc I'm sure there's one or two others I'm forgetting but Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford who have both been vocal in terms of releasing statements um, and so forth do you think they sort of more responsibly falls on their shoulders or do you think that's a little bit unfair I think that's a little bit unfair you can't just you know because someone has a lot of followers you know obviously it's a great opportunity to really convey the messages we want to convey but I think everyone has a unanimous responsibility really no matter what you know skin colour no matter what popularity to really show there's no place for racism anywhere not just football but just anywhere yeah no 100% well one player who the podcast is obviously no stranger to in talking to but obviously not a United player and Jaden Sancho just touching on an incident regarding him over the weekend and um, he obviously I think he scored a hat-trick for Dortmund I, I saw two of the goals but someone said he scored a hat-trick so he I'll did take yeah he scored, scored I think it was a last minute uh, goal to, to you know confirm the hat-trick but yeah obviously okay. celebrated with the gesture and obviously taking the shirt off well just on that and the obviously the um, justice for George Floyd um, George Floyd I think it said on the um, shirt and he's obviously given a yellow card where look we'll, we'll get into what FIFA have said but the referee always feel in a bad position there because the referee has to do his job and yes the referee would feel stupid for giving it he knows it's the wrong thing to do but he has a job to do and if he doesn't do his job there it puts him in a bad situation for future incidents where he has to use the yellow card but FIFA has since come out and said they need to use common sense in regards to this situation because I think there will be more and more players who do this over the coming weeks when football returns yeah. and again I, I think this common sense should have been used 30 years ago I, don't, I think it's stupid to bring in now but I can understand why um, FIFA have come out and said you do need to use common sense which is a good thing but do you think um, a lot more and more players will do that? Like, could you imagine Paul Pogba scoring on the first game back or Marcus Rashford scoring? Do you think... And again, there's absolutely no pressure on someone to do this. But can you see Man United and Premier League players sort of using this platform? Yeah, I mean... Obviously, you, you, you still... The rules are the rules and I think referees will still just brandish the card just in terms of you... In terms of what the rules are. And I don't think players will care they won't care about getting booked. And I think you'll get to the stage where you get to these, say, for example, if knockout stages of the Europa League or the Champions League resumed and you have the booking rule, and you say, if, for example, a player scored, was already on a booking in another game and risked missing the next game through scoring and taking a shirt off, I, just, I still think they'd do it. I still think they'd take the risk to send that message. And if it, if it caused them to get booked, I think, you know, once they appealed it, common sense would prevail, especially in this situation. Yeah, you'd hope so. Um, we'll move on to United. And again, this whole racism issue, I think it's me and Larry have both discussed it. We want to do a proper podcast on it in terms of really going deep into it and maybe get a guest on or two who would have more knowledge but maybe experience and shed a little bit of different light on it rather than just the two of us speaking about it. But um, if anyone does want to get involved with a podcast regarding that, please feel free to get in touch because I think that would not only be sort of an interesting listen but a very important listen. But on to Man United, and you spoke about um, 
Luke Shaw's photos or the way Luke Shaw looks on return to football. I've seen one or two angles, and I think maybe an angle has been sort of um, unkind to him, but um, we'll just discuss the training photos. Um, everyone looks fit. I assume Phil Jones will probably be injured for the first game back, but <laughs> just, what, just what have you made in terms of all the players coming back and everyone's been waiting for months for the Bruno and Pogba uh, photos? Because obviously when Bruno came in, Pogba wasn't training. So um, it looks like they're both... Um, You'd assume adults to get along at training, but um, it looks like everyone's fit and getting on well. One thing um, you're pra- you've got to praise United for is they are the king of PR and just sending the right messages on social media. It, everything just looked fine and dandy. And I don't know if you saw, there was a great video they released, I think it was yesterday, just a seven-on-seven training game. And De Gea pulls off an, um, like two unbelievable saves. And it just makes you really want the game to just restart straight away and just start watching United again. It was it was brilliant to see. Well, Everyone's looking really sharp. Well, you mentioned there the PR, and again, if the players look sharp, that's on the players and that's on the manager. That's fantastic. But you mentioned the PR, and you cast your mind back a couple of months ago when the Glazers and Woodward were under so much pressure, etc., and they sort of added fuel to that fire by appointing, or so-called appointing, Neil Ashton as United's PR person. And that got a lot of stick we discussed on this podcast saying this is a bad look, especially announcing to the world that you're hiring someone to help with your PR. Sort of defeats the purpose a little bit. However, since that, we've been nothing but praising United and their PR. Um, Just your thoughts on that? Are we sort of hypocrites or can you see through this or sort of glad everything's happening the the way it is? Yeah, I think during these times, you've got to promote the right messages. You got to set an example, um, and we we slag United off all the time through you know performances, through individual players doing stupid things on and off the pitch. But United have got everything spot on, and I think obviously yeah, you can put all the credit to Neil Ashton in the PR and and you know his his expertise in PR. But you've also got to put a lot of it down to the players, the staff, the managers who are just really setting setting the right examples and you know portraying those those right messages because they need to. Especially with all the negativity that's happening with COVID, with racism off the pitch, I think it's brilliant, honestly. And I rarely praise United in terms of a from a PR perspective. Sometimes I go as far as to say is that you would probably quote me on one of your podcasts saying they're a joke last year. Oh, over the last couple of years, yes. but but that's what I mean. In terms of it, almost switched overnight as soon as they appointed him, and the appointment got so much backlash from fans. It's been fantastic, and I just sit here and think, well. We knew what they were doing at the time by appointing him, and now we're sort of celebrating that fact. And I just think, are we hypocrites? Are we not seeing through this? Or is there something we're not seeing? Or do we just have to accept it? And again, it's fantastic what's happening. All the players off the field during this whole situation have been perfect. Absolutely no criticism at all. Yeah, I don't know um, if we just also just want to see like anything football related just makes us happy at the moment. Yeah. Like I can't tell you how many times I've watched old games on YouTube or just even watch United videos through their official channel I never really am one to watch anything from United's official like YouTube or social media channel because I just prefer you know watching videos from like you know podcast sites like Full Time Devils like ourselves just to get a different perspective but it's actually been really fun watching it from their official channel no, I completely agree. I've watched a lot of um, the MUTV content. They've actually got some decent content on MUTV, so yeah. if anyone does have a subscription to that, please um, 
use it more because there is some good stuff. But um, I think it's about that time of the podcast where we might as well get into the Pogba debate, the weekly Pogba debate. And because there's no real United news, but I think the one little bit is Pogba, and more and more rumours are starting to come out. I wouldn't say rumours, but evidence to suggest that it's likely that he's going to stay. And whatever your opinion, I think that is mainly down to the market. And if United want $100 million for him, no one's going to be able to spend that, which is going to force everyone's hand, and the end result will be Paul Pogba staying at Man United. But my main sort of question or issue I want to bring up is, okay, that's fantastic if you want Paul Pogba, the footballer at United here for this season. And if no one combined, but what do you think from United's point of view of, okay, you can have the player fantastic, but what is going to happen to his value in a year's time when we do this dance again? Would United want to sell him now for a lesser price and just deal with that problem now? Or are you happy to have the player now and see what happens? I think it's difficult. I've listened to a few of our podcasts um, going back, and one thing which we've all agreed is he puts a hunt like with all this circus around him, every game, no matter fit or unfit, he puts a you know, he puts a hundred percent in it, he doesn't down tools. I I'm not against keeping him for another year. I'm not against it. He's he's world class. All my I have this debate with my my friends back home and they all yeah, most of them say we should sell him, but I just can't see how anyone can't see that he's world class. He's literally our best player. Well, no, 100%, and again, don't need to convince myself or, or, or Larry of that. However, you look at that, and let's say he's valued now, given the contract situation and the, the whole COVID situation, let's say he's at 100 million. Let's say this next season goes on however it goes, the other good up and down season, just what he's been like since his time at United. With a year left on his contract, or probably even less, I'm not sure the contract extension situation he has, but what would his value be then in terms of a new, a new look market? Right. If United have that asset now, he might be worth $60 million in a year's time. I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out. I'm just thinking, is that a risk United are going to take? Or is there a situation where United can just really, depends what way you look at it, take advantage of this situation, and now the, sort of, the shoes on the other footwear will try and offer him a new contract and it's really tie his future down to United? I think, you've got to, um, I think you've got to offer him a new contract, and I think he'll... Um... I think he'll stay. You just got to realise that the international tournaments obviously have been been postponed for a year. He will want to be as fit as possible and playing regu- as regularly as possible. You know, to win another trophy with uh, with France, and he's got to be playing football. He's got to be playing football, and I think United can guarantee him that. United won't give him away for a cut price. That's one thing. They they won't be bullied into doing that. I don't think I've ever seen United do that for someone that is world class yeah yeah and no, I have that feeling as well and speaking of sort of the funds and finances um, it would be good to have a financial expert on the podcast to discuss the ins and outs of this but it's seemingly reported that United have taken out around about 140 150 million pound and again financial experts have come out and said they're sort of given their two cents on what exactly this means and why they would have done it etc and from what I've read it seems a a lot of people are saying, well, this is pretty much cash and they've come out to spend some money. Um, what have you heard about it or your opinion of it? I've actually not even heard that. When, when was that um, When Was that released? Was that today? I think it was about a week ago. They came out and 
there was a few different avenues people looked at it. I was saying, well, is this just in sort of preparation in terms of what is happening at the moment in terms of revenue, in terms of there's no games on, so here's a little bit of extra cash in terms of the running of the club, or also are they preparing themselves for a transfer window? Um, I was just wondering, I really haven't read too much on it. I really should have. Um, I'm not sure. I think Larry might have read up on it a little bit, but I was just wondering, um, do you think that, just hearing it off the top of, off the top of my tongue there, is... Um, do you think that's more just a financial decision in terms of the current situation of the club or do you think United will be trying to get ahead of the game and sort of be the front runners in the transfer window? I, I mean, I hope it's a second option. I hope they're just trying to be front, you know, front runners in the transfer window because I think you've got to, you've got to be ruthless in this situation. You know, you've got to strive to still get the best players no matter what the situation is. And if you can get them during these times, you need to because player other teams which you know could be competition you look at United's level now and let's say realistically we're on par with with the Spurs we're, we're probably even Wolves as well they're not much they're not there's not much difference in terms of the quality of the squad someone like Wolves and Tottenham with the new stadium aren't going to have the funds that we have to go out and buy these players and we need to exploit that and capitalize on that and, and you know get to the position which we've been so used to for, you know, 20 years of our lives. Yeah, well, I think that, and you mentioned the word before, but I think you have to use it, and again, in the nicest way possible, United have to go in and bully teams this transfer window. I think United will be probably the best well, best club in the world to come out of this situation. I assume Barcelona and Madrid will um, deal with it quite well as well. But um, especially out of the English clubs, no club will come out of the coronavirus situation better than United. And I just think in terms of off the field, and I think United will have to use that because we are we are behind the best teams in the world in terms of Liverpool, City, Bayern Munich, etc. So we do need to catch up ground and that can only be made up sort of off the pitch in terms yeah. of investment. So United, and we've mentioned that in terms of one or two players, like in terms of maybe a Jack Grealish sort of thing, like it'll be interesting. You look at Aston Villa's situation, they might want 60, 70 million, but United will just have to go in and say... This is what you're getting. Take it or leave it. Do you want the money to help keep your club surviving, or do you not want it? So, do you know what the good thing is? Do you know what the good thing is, Tom? As well, um, United have handled themselves really well during COVID in terms of how they've treated the the staff in the sense that they've mm. not laid anyone off or used the government's you know furlough scheme. And I think had they had they exploited that and used government funding during this time it would have been lots on, let's say if we do use, go on to explore the transfer market, I think it'd be perceived as very, very negative. Yeah. But I think they've sort of saved themselves in that respect through how they've handled themselves and conducted themselves um, through the welfare of the, for the staff at the club. No, 100%. I think, and again, use this maybe sort of arguing on Twitter with one or two people as maybe almost point scoring and a little bit of banter but we've sort of pointed the finger at Liverpool in that situation. And when they, obviously they ended up doing a backflip and didn't go into the furlough scheme, but they did announce it at one stage. Yeah. And when they did announce it, you go, well, if you got to that stage and your club sort of stooped to that, I don't want to say stooped to that level, but let's use that in terms of the discussion and then go out and spend 60, 70 million on a footballer three months later, that is a bad look. Yeah, and exactly. Think, so, yeah, in terms of United are in a good position to the... I'd say morally or ethically to go out and in the nicest way possible bully the other teams however just one mention before we move on 
in terms of another sort of positive the way United have handled themselves I read it was probably about a week or two ago I read that some of the loan fees United have players out on loan the clubs are obviously paying Man United loan fees and maybe yeah. covering some of the wages United have apparently sort of frozen those fees and said during this whole situation you don't have to keep up the loan fees did you hear about that? Yeah, I heard about that. That's um, again, it's great, great PR. We talked about the t- you know reviews of Tim PR. I feel like so many times in this podcast already, but yeah, it's great PR and it, it's great as well for for the smaller clubs. I know one of the clubs impacted by that is Bolton, and what a, what a year yeah. they've had. So if you know if it goes towards helping them, a, a local team in the area, that's brilliant. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Now we will move on to to the Premier League in general. Probably the biggest news um, broke last night here in Australia was Spurs have um, had in the latest round of COVID testing one Spurs player. Well, I'm pretty sure it was a player. Um, I'm not sure if they mentioned player stuff, but from what I've heard, it was an actual player. Yeah. Um, had a positive test. Um, and my main thing here is okay that's great in terms of the whole numbers I think there was like 1700 people tested or something so only one player okay that's fantastic however you cast your mind back to when this first started in one person at a workplace had it everyone had to go and self-isolate for two weeks however now one player gets it only that one player only goes and self-isolates himself for one week yeah. I'm just thinking well what, where does the stage go or, or who's he potentially passes on to why isn't that person going and having to self-isolate I'm just wondering, okay, that's great, only one person out of 1,700, but is it you, on sort of dicey ground there? Are you a little bit nervous in terms of the way we're potentially dealing with um, people who are testing positive? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really have anything to go by in terms of obviously we, we live here, but obviously my family are, are still living back home and I've had family members that have been personally affected by COVID and I don't know if it's, you know, if they're rushing this as fast you know too fast I know we really we're desperate and I say desperate I mean desperate so see football on our screens again is it coming too quick maybe yeah I mean the rates the rates are still so high back home Um, it doesn't look like they're going to find a cure for this anytime soon as well but again that's that's a different topic it's just I don't know if it's setting the right example as well especially with everything that's going on if you move it back to the racism side again and we're having to go with people protesting on the streets because they're not self-isolating but then you've got you know footballers back training again we're contradicting ourselves well just there my next point was in regards to this and again i don't know if this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek but you saw, I saw an aerial shot of london in terms of and social distance is so important in, in england we look at it from a straight point of view where we're not living on top of each other, but in England, people live on top of each other. And there was an aerial shot of one of the protests in terms of the Black, Live, Black Lives Matters protests in London. And I don't know how many people there, but there were thousands just jam-packed into central London. And I'm thinking, that is the recipe for a second wave. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, yes, we are so desperate for football to return. I'm at the front of the queue. All I want is United, United return in two weeks' time. Okay. But I just think, God, we are just counting the hours until a second wave hits and we're back to square one. Yeah, and I think as well, we're in a better situation in Australia. We've you know, got less of a population. It seems to be pretty controlled in terms of how many new cases there are. Mm. But you still feel a bit uncomfortable here 
with sport returning, whether it be cricket, whether it be the you know AFL football, it just seems a bit. It seems like we're in no rush to do it over here. Mm. Is there really a need to rush it back home? I know obviously they want to conclude the season as quick as possible, but there's so many ways they can explore that to make sure it is concluded. Does it need yeah, well, to be rushed? Well, it's a hard one because, as you mentioned at the start of the topic, it's it's hard to look at it through sort of sensible eyes when we're just yeah be beyond desperate for it to get back. Like we almost obviously we do care about lives, but it's almost we don't care. We just want the football back. Yeah. And it's hard. It's really hard. It should seem simple to differentiate the two, but football um, plays some funny things with their emotions. Yeah, exactly. It's, quite it's hard. our priorities, isn't it? Football before anything. And as soon as it's back, the better. So I've just contradicted myself there. But yeah, I can't <laughs> wait for football to return. I'm not sorry. Not the life of a football fan. But actually on a little bit of football and some of the news from the Premier League, and I think this was, wasn't really discussed, but probably expected... That um, because clubs will need almost little pre-season friendlies that clubs will be allowed to organise friendlies with other clubs. Do you sort of hear anything about that? Yeah, I saw that on the BBC. Um, I think it was either yesterday or the day before. I just don't... I can see why, they, why they, you know, they, why they'd suggest that, but you must just... If they're going to do that, you must just get the games going. That, that's what I thought. Look, and I, look, I can fully understand and agree with having like pre-season is making sure they're fit before going in. However, in terms of an argument, in terms of a performance argument, if everyone's starting from the same starting blocks, it shouldn't really matter. If everyone's unfit, let them play unfit together. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it's weird. But I can understand sort of, the, sort of the money they're paying these people. They don't want them to get injured in competitive games, etc., because they want them for the next competitive game. So I can understand that. But from a sort of visual, sort of just watching on the TV if, if everyone's unfit it almost makes for a better game in terms of when the, those players sort of start to drop off later in, later in the match more chances are created and the game's sort of more enjoyable it's when everyone's even that's when the games are so tight they almost become a bit of a stalemate yeah. but um, I'm sure news will come out over the coming days or two of United organising a few friendlies and who knows with United's PR we could potentially lose a couple of games, but I'm sure the information of a United win will probably come out. And um, the Mason Greenwood hat trick against Liverpool or something. But um, time will tell. Hopefully we get a little bit of news regarding that. And just the latest little thing I saw on Sky Sports, which we've discussed on the podcast before. But just in regards to five substitutes. Now, I was speaking to George, who's been on the podcast before um, at work today. And he... I've been watching a bit of the Bundesliga, but I haven't taken any note. He's saying the five substitutes is intact in Germany. That's been used. Is that correct? Do you know? I believe so, yeah. Um, and I believe that's you, in place. Do you know if the Premier League... I saw a pop up on Sky Sports saying, I think England have sort of the opportunity if they want to introduce the five substitutes, they can. I'm not sure if it's been enforced yet or if it's um, definite. Do you, have you heard anything? I, I think they're contemplating. I don't know if it's confirmed... Um, what well, I will tell you is I'm dead against it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I just think it just do you, do you ruins, think ruins the integrity of, of the game. It's just, I just don't get it. I don't do understand you think it. And take off the hat in terms of having a little bit of banter with Liverpool fans and put an asterisk on their title. Do you think... People will think this is a small thing or adding two extra subs with you know, 10 games to go in a season. Like, it, it won't impact. However... I think it does. You have to go... It won't impact Liverpool winning the title. Liverpool being the best team, they're going to win the league regardless. But that does change things, I think. And it's not bad to... It's not sort of taken away from what Liverpool have done this season. But if the rules change, and this is a significant rule change, 
if you're allowed five substitutes now, you have to put an asterisk next to Liverpool's title. And again, that takes nothing away from what they've done. Just if the rules have changed and the, the rules will have changed the game, it will change the way managers play, change the way play. you can change half your team pretty much and change half your outfield I mean, team. You go, you go as far as to say, so you probably make a change in the first half, a tactical change in the first half. Yeah. Because you have the option. It just, it just makes the game a bit, a bit more stop-start than it needs to be. And I just don't think, especially at this stage of the season now, where you've had sort of had a, a break, you've had a really long, let's call it a winter break, the players shouldn't be, you know, the, the, they're probably going to be the fittest they've ever been. And could you imagine from a fan point of view, watching whether you're at the ground or obviously not at the ground, but could you imagine if our substitutes were allowed, or sorry, if fans were allowed in the ground or as we are watching at home on TV, could you imagine you're sort of 1-0 up or 2-0 up and your team hasn't made any subs and it's the 85th minute? Could you imagine the time wasted in the last five minutes? I can see it now, I can see it now Tom. We were 1-0 down to Spurs in our first game back and Jose makes all these changes. <laughs> 91, 92, 93, 94, 95 makes all these changes yeah I don't think and again look call, call is bitter feel free it's taking nothing at all away from what Liverpool have done this season but if the rules change and a huge rule change because it does change the game if that happens you have to make a note of the rule change in the, and the way you do that is with an asterisk on top of their title yeah I mean, we joke about this so I think they've got like it's what I think it was Troy Troy Deeney may have said this but he said it won't be remembered for Liverpool you know, it won't be the season where Liverpool won the league after however many years, 20, 30 years. It will be just be the season of COVID. And yeah, no one. It, yeah. it will, unfortunately for them. No, unfortunately, but um, it's, again, take light of the situation where we can and I would have to say fortunately for us. But I think just about wraps up this week's podcast. Um, first of all, before we finish, thank you for coming on. Larry gave me very late notice before recording, so thank you for jumping on. No, I really and, appreciate uh, it. Love, uh, love listening to these podcasts. Love joining in as well where possible. I've binged um, uh, quite a lot during lockdown. So I'm really happy you guys are moving to two a week as well. Yeah, well, I hope, well we, we started that just to fill a little bit, little bit of um, time before the football resumed. But as, as we say, football is resuming in less than two weeks. But just for that, obviously Josh is part of the Man United supporters group here in New South Wales. And it's that time of year where sort of membership renewals and looking for new members, etc. A lot of our listeners of this podcast we see on the SoundCloud statistics are from Sydney. So um, if you do listen to the podcast and enjoy it and not a member of the supporters club, um, please do join because trust me, um, it is worthwhile. It's only 25 bucks, and if you're an official member of Man United itself, um, you get a $10 discount, which means only $15 for the entire season. And the benefits are completely worth it. Obviously, if you're traveling back to the UK, um, you've got access to every single home game, no matter who we're playing, we'll have tickets to. Um, we'll sort of have member-only events um, in here in Sydney. I remember last year we had the sort of cracking one with David May, etc. Yeah. So little things like that. And it just, the more support we can get as a supporters club, the more support we can give Man United fans here. And there are more and more things. There's this, I don't personally don't think it'll go ahead, but this Football for Fires match, which has been um, rescheduled. Personally, I don't think it will go ahead, but say it did. And we have Dwight York, Mark Bosnich, Park G. Sung here. The more support we have as a supporters club, maybe we could do something with you know players like that, which would be fantastic. So um, if you want any information regarding the supporters club, um, their Twitter is at Man United, so M-A-N-U-T-D-N-S-W. Um, just send them a message on Twitter and we'll get back to you through there. 
um, or just send your podcast um, a message and we'll sort of send you in the right direction. Um, anything else to add for this podcast, Josh? No, I can't echo what you said enough, really. The, the support has been fantastic for me in my two years here. Um, obviously, from going to every home game, every away game the year before I came to, to obviously moving abroad, it's been fantastic, really, to meet like-minded United fans who have um, a really strong passion for the club and everything United. So, yeah, you need to join. Really cheap, well worth it. Ah, beautiful. So, again, hopefully everyone enjoyed this podcast and we'll be back um, early next week, hopefully discussing a little bit of the development and, and ho- hopefully the one I'm waiting for is a confirmed fixture list for United because we all know Arsenal v City is the first game, but there has been no official confirmation of United's first game. Um, sounds like it might be Tottenham, but um, we don't want to comment on that until it is official. So hopefully everyone has a good weekend and we will chat to you on Monday. Cheers.